Johnny Pines back-to-back -back games, you know, finding the back of the net. And, of course, Chrissy Duyachin with his first career goal for the black and red. That's what I'm talking about. Good way to end a Sunday. There was a point this season where we didn't think we'd get a third game. So That's true. We'll tell you what we can get. Your voice is just hoarse from all the yelling we've done tonight. In <laughs> out of excitement. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're live here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. John Lee joined, as always, by Joshua Morgan, Sam Kastner, and Michael Black. And uh, we should be hearing here momentarily who uh, who's going to be joining the post-game show. I put in a good word for uh, Chris and, and, and Moses. <laughs> and we heard from Donovan a couple times uh, recently. So we'll see. We'll see who we get. Um, and, of course, as usual, we'll hear from uh, interim head coach Chad Ashton. But, guys, what are your thoughts on, on how they look tonight? I mean, obviously, three points is huge. Um, but how did the game feel? It felt so much better than previous games, right? And, I mean, obviously I'm saying that because we've got three points. But I think that we have seen in line to what we've seen these past two games, really, um, since Chad has taken over. I think this team just has this excitement about them and this creativity and this kind of drive to really go forward and, like, make offensive plays that um, – we haven't seen in a while. So I, I love to just see that continuing. Um, and I mean, it looks like they're having fun up there. It looks like they have the opportunity to be creative and see what happens. Now with the caveat that this is Cincinnati, the second worst team in the East, I completely agree. They looked like they were having fun. They looked like they're going forward, you know, had intentions on scoring, created multiple opportunities. It's really what you enjoy seeing and, kind of what you expect to see when you're playing another team at the bottom of the table and kind of what we hoped for all year. So it's nice to see that change of pace and really it's refreshing to go into a game like this and get three points out of it. I would also argue though that like we played pretty well against Philly last game and they're at the top of the table. So I don't think that this is just like the fact that Cincinnati is not doing well on the table um, and they're having a rough season on their own. I think that overall we've been improving game by game and that we deserve to get these three points. Oh, for sure. And Cincinnati, you know, we can knock them all we want for not being a particularly good team and their position in the table pans that out, but they're also very difficult to play against. They defend well, they sit back, they play a lot of the same style that DC United has tried to play this year. Uh, so the fact that we were able to go out there, break it down, get two goals, uh, not from our forwards, but you know, two goals either way is uh, enough to bring home three points this week. You know, transitioning back to the beginning of this game, the, the lineup for DC United was very well rotation heavy, right? Um, yeah, as expected with third game in eight days, uh, we saw Bill Hamid conspicuously absent from the squad again tonight, which we we probably need to delve into a little bit more, and, and hopefully Chad Ashton will tell us uh, a little bit about what's behind that. It's been reported as a non-COVID related uh, illness. Yeah, I believe was was, uh, and I believe that week. I mean Chad said that he'd be good for this game, so it was interesting that he he wasn't. Um, I'm sure that question will come up. Yeah, I'm gonna guess he didn't game. travel, right? Yeah, um, I mean it, he wasn't on the bench, and we were short on the bench. Yeah. So if you wanted to have two keepers on the bench, you absolutely could have. Kind of wild. I mean, we only had 17 players available in a in a league where you know because of COVID 19, we're still allowing you know more than 18. So definitely a, a small team. And up top, Rivas and Sorga. Uh, so Kamara didn't come on until late in this one. It, it's interesting. This, it seems as if rotation is, is not only, uh, at least in my mind, it seems like it's not only a product of um, 
you know, how many games we're playing and how few players we have, how many injuries we have. But it seems like it's almost part of the system that Ashton's bringing in is like, let's just keep fresh legs out there. Let's keep trying new things, see what works. I think you see that especially up top, right? We haven't seen the same pairing up top since Chad's taken over, which again, it was only three games, but you can tell that he's obviously trying to find his groove there. Um, I mean, we went to this last game. It's great to see that he's continuing to play the kids, but they're definitely seeing heavy rotation, um, I think, which you would expect. Uh, Black, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, we just heard from the team that we are going to hear from Coach Chad Ashton and from Chris Joyatsum. So uh, we're looking forward to hearing from him, talking about his first goal. And you're right, it's definitely rotation. And I think a little bit of that is indicating that this is a team that nobody's spot is really safe. Uh, and the people are getting minutes to, to show what they've got. You saw fairly good uh, time out of a lot of the guys. You saw Kamara come on late. You saw Flores put in 70 minutes. But none of these guys are guaranteed to be locked into this lineup moving forward. And they played like it and won. Yeah, and I'm kind of split. I'm not sure if Ashton's out out there trying to win games right now or not. <laughs> and he just like accident. I don't know. Are, are you playing for a draft pick? Or? Right. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, I, I don't. I think he might seriously be taking stock of this team and seeing how everyone plays. And it just happens that they're playing way better than they were before under his kind of not bunker the whole game. Yeah, I think the, the tactical change has, has definitely done wonders for a lot of the guys. But I, I, I think what. I think maybe what you said kind of came off a little differently, at least to me, but I, I think he's, he's trying to win games, but I think what you're, you're kind of alluding to is like, he's trying to take stock of who's, who's available, yeah. right. Who's, who's going to be around next year. Potentially he might not be, um, but at least for the team as a whole, right. Like who deserves a spot on this team? Yeah, I think, I think if he's trying to put his name into the mix, he has to win games, right? Uh, like he, he can, I, we don't I even think know that, that right. You're right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, this season is obviously over for DC United. I, I don't think there's a, I don't Mag- know what's the percentage right now. That's probably still one percent. <laughs> That's uh, more than zero. <laughs> but uh, there, there is probably a chance that Chad Aston stays in as assistant, and so he could sure. be doing his service for the club right now by taking stock of the players they have. I mean, we've seen some disappointing stuff from from some players. Uh, yeah. Now that they're playing in a style that is a little bit more attacking, uh, and let's be clear, this is a team that just won their third game had not been finding ways to win previous to that. Chad Ashton's trying different things and. You know, so far it's panning out, but there wasn't a blueprint for this is how you win with this team. They hadn't really done it this year. Well, it, one of the things that you guys have heard me say a lot this year is this team needs to start making its own luck, and for a long time they, they couldn't. I'm going to tell you tonight, they certainly did. Uh, with with the first goal that uh, we saw Donovan Pines bag, I, I don't think you get set up much better than that goalkeeper off, you know, going out of bounds, trying to make a save, or you know, either hold on to it and concede uh, the corner kick, or or keep it in play and let a defender clear. But you don't often see him, you know, kind of hand it to the opposing team's defender <laughs> who slotted it home yeah. for the opening goal. That was shocking, objectively, and I put this out on Twitter. I really think that ball was out. Um, I think when it hit the line, it was on the line and still within play I think that it went beyond the line and the keeper kind of pushed it forward a little bit um I really thought that was going to get like y'all were celebrating and I was like oh I don't know wait 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 for the VAR just wait for it but I'm so thrilled that it was called because it just would have broken my whole heart for Donovan Pines to have another one called back like that well and that's really on the keeper too because 
he still put himself he put himself in a position to get punished for that mistake. There's no reason to be parrying that ball in. This isn't a basketball game where you're trying to bounce it off someone's shoe an hour. <laughs> <or, yeah. laughs> it, it, it was baffling that he would try to make that move, and Donovan Pines was the benefit from it oh he, he was pretty good in the box there we might have to st- look we might have to really take stock and give him a couple run outs before <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it, it, it's funny you were talking joshua during the game a little bit about you know pines's clearances on on the defensive end right they are have not been as well placed as you uh, more up than out hope, yeah right um but on that one I mean, would have been tough to miss from that spot, but uh, it kind of helped having the large foot in that situation, just right through the ball and into the back of the net. Also, know? just not panicking, right? Like he's a he's a center defender, so I mean, even though he found himself next to a wide open net, like the fact that he had just the composure to even pounce on that ball when yeah. it came back in, because I mean, even a lot of offensive players would have been like, "Oh, that's out," and called for the corner and not played to the whistle, right? So the fact that he was able to capitalize on that opportunity yeah. is awesome. I wonder if some of that comes from potentially being you know fed a pass in the defensive end in in a precarious spot like that and needing to you know compose yourself and and blast it away and it was not too dissimilar in the sense of like we just has to blast it into this net that he's standing right next to right (laughs) so you wonder if that helps him because sometimes you you get midfielders or attacking midfielders in that situation and all they're thinking is the back of the net and that's when they're in their own head you know that's a very good point um, I mean, jumping way into the game, but we saw that a little bit with Paredes, like right at the very end, yeah. um, which is actually, that's what led to Chris's goal, right? Was like, he kind of took that shot and slid a little bit. And I think he had more time. I think the defender was like streaking and he could have even maybe cut it and given himself some more time. So I think that he just kind of like needed that composure. He was probably in his head a little bit. And luckily DC United was able to capitalize that on that and get the game winning goal. Yeah, and that's what happens when you create opportunities going forward. You know, there were several times where we said, "Why are you playing that ball?" or "What? Why didn't that? Why did you do it like that?" But at the end of the day, they created some errors from the Cincinnati defense. They weren't marking terribly well, and you got the results from it. You know, that's the thing that was been frustrating about this team for so long this year is that they were so uh, focused on defending and keeping the ball back and not going forward and potentially giving it away that you never actually had opportunities to score. I haven't looked at the total shots today, but it's got to be higher than uh, several of the games we've had. And that's a lot more fun to watch. And I'm sure it's a lot more fun to play in too. I had it here. My phone is quickly going uh, to the death. I know know it's double digits (laughs) at least, which is, you know, 10 more than we were doing beforehand. Yeah, it is more enjoyable to watch. I, I, I like shots. I like Assad in the nice. middle. He's become a completely different player, basically. Uh, Flores uh, looking, looks good on the ball sometimes. It's, it's a fun DC United to watch now. A little bit, a lot more fun than it was before. Yeah, I mean, Flores looked like he was having fun out there. There were definitely smiles on his face. Um, Aside, you know, we heard from him in the pregame press conference. He says he likes playing in the middle. He likes that new challenge. So, you know, you love to see these players really growing in to the game and having fun in a way that's very different from what we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things with, with Edison Flores, just seeing him grow into it a little bit more, and right, and, and growing into his comfort zone here in D.C., here in Major League Soccer. I mean, dude's obviously very talented, but that was that was missing. He he, he seemed a little bit lost, for lack of a better way to, to say it, pretty earlier in the season, and I, I'm sure that was a number of things, right? I mean, moving to a new country, uh, moving to a new league, 
there's a little pandemic thing going on this year that's in everybody's head, right? <laughs> and then tactically, I don't think anybody was really set up me? for success. Yeah, good, uh, it does sound like awesome. we are about ready to go to uh, to Chad Ashton here, so we'll send it to the podium. All right, folks, we'll go ahead and get started. We'll go to Steve Goff first. Steve, go ahead. Hey, Chad, congratulations on the victory. Um, what uh, You've been around Chris so do we had some uh, a lot the last few years. He's obviously gone through um, a lot of personal struggles. What um, what are your feelings and emotions about um, his his reward tonight uh, for scoring a, a winning goal when when you guys needed it the most? Yeah, it's so awesome. I mean, he has exactly what you said. Just just been through a lot. Um, continue to just work and work and work, and it's just such a credit to him. And I'm so happy for him, happy for the entire group, but. Yeah, he's he's well deserving to get that, and you know it's it's the kind of goal, the kind of play he makes, and um, just so happy for him. We'll go to Jason Anderson next. Jason, go ahead. Uh, hi, Chad. Uh, congrats uh, on getting the win. Um, you mentioned, uh, I guess this was Friday when we last spoke, um, the need to be patient against Cincinnati. Uh, how do you think the team did on the night overall at, at that aspect? I thought decent. I, I thought we didn't start the game exactly the way we wanted to start the game, but then I thought we kind of played our way into it and, and then started to get on the ball and um, pin them back a little bit. Um, didn't exactly um, result in a, a ton of chances, but um, and then in the second half, I, I thought we were just good in terms of um, staying organized, staying patient defensively, and then when we dispossess them and, and good areas of the field for us and bad areas for them, we were able to have some really good transition moments. And, um, you know, that's kind of how the, the winning goal happened. So um, overall, really, really pleased with, with just kind of how the guys went about it. I, we forget that, you know, this is three games in, in a short amount of time and some guys are going all three 90 minutes and the wear and tear that puts on them and, um, the effort by everybody is, is just amazing. So a, a real credit to, to our guys. And again, just so happy for all of them to be rewarded for, for their hard work. Um, it, it was tough the, the other two games because I felt like the same. I thought they did a good job and they put in real efforts that were deserving of results. Um, but to, to finish one off and get the full three points is, is really satisfying. We'll go back to Steve Goff. Steve, go ahead. Uh, Chad, from a uh, an, um, an emotional and a, a morale standpoint, um, where do you think this team is now after um, you know a, a difficult um, seven to ten days? Yeah, I, I think it's big. You know, it's it would be difficult to to have the week that we've had um, play as well as we've played, and. And, and not end up with three points to be rewarded. Um, you know, I, I think just puts us in a, a good place mentally, um, helps us move forward, helps us believe in, in what we're doing, that we're doing the right things, that we are paying attention to little details and those details are, are making the difference. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a really long, difficult week on so many levels and, 
Um, you could even say that of uh, the entire year. You know, there are just so many guys out and there's so much adversity that, that we've dealt with and the group has dealt with, especially over the course of, of the last week that, uh, again, it's a testament to these guys' character that, um, that they just kept going and, and they left it all out there. We'll go back to Jason Anderson. Jason. Uh, Chad, going back to um, Chris, it seemed like uh, as the second half wore on, he was able to not just get forward, but get forward into really dangerous positions. Uh, just before the goal, he almost got across in, uh, near the penalty spot, basically. Um, was that uh, tactical instruction or was that something that kind of opened up for him to do on the fly? Yeah, I think the game just kind of showed that and, and we took advantage of, of getting him involved higher up the field, his athleticism, his pace. Um, he almost got another one there at the end to, to, to make it 3-1, but, um, you know, just credit to our guys of, of taking what was there and, and you had him somewhat fresh because he didn't play the, the middle game and, you know, we needed to rely on guys who didn't have as many minutes and um, he, he came through for the group in, in a big, big way. We'll go to the Tried and True DC podcast. Go ahead, guys. Hey, Chad, thanks for taking the time and congrats uh, first and foremost on, on the win. Um, we noticed that um, Bill Hamid wasn't in the team tonight. Um, any updates you can give sort of on his status as we look ahead to Atlanta next weekend? Essentially, he and Junior Moreno are both day-to-day. -day. I, I would say there's a very good chance that both of them will, will be available next week. Chad, there's no more questions, man. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. CC United's interim head coach Chad Ashton uh, joining us post game here, and uh, obviously got a got a chance to ask a question there about Hamid and, and getting an update about Moreno as well uh, as a bit of a bonus. So having having Moreno back, probably more importantly than hearing what you know we thought Hamid was going to be available today. It sounds like it's can't be anything too serious if he's still on the day to day status and having a full week is great, but. Um, Moreno, I guess, in my mind, was just one of the 25 players we have on the <laughs> shelf for the year. So hearing having him come back and maybe get Nyman a little bit of a rest or whatnot is is definitely good news or even you know a chance to move Yamil forward. But do we really want to move Yamil forward much at this point? I mean, he's he's really been in the maestro role back there. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like Yamil's been doing really well. I was just going to go back to the Bill Hamid being available. Um, it, it's, it's hard because I think that sites like – he was playing really well tonight, and then obviously it was like a little bit of his blunder that led to that Cincy goal, right? So it's yeah. hard. And I feel like last game, too, like he had some really strong moments, but again, it was a little bit of like his falter and just concentration and letting his mind wander a little bit that had him ball the ball and have the other team score. So it, it would be nice to have Bill back in, um, but I think there's like so much speculation right now just about Bill's status with the team. Um, so I. I, I like seeing sites be able to get these minutes yeah. um, because I think it's, it's like purely speculation. Sorry. We, yeah, it looks like Chris Duyachim is at the podium. So let's send it back. Awesome, man. All right. We'll go ahead and t start taking some questions. Steve Goff, go ahead. Hey, Chris, congratulations. Thank you, Steve. Well, um, are you able to, um, are you able to see the big picture here and, and appreciate all you've been through? Um, the last few years, especially with your health um, and to score a, a winning goal at, at such an important moment. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, I'll, I'll 
be able to think about it and dwell on it more a little bit later. But, you know, that's all I want to do is just help the team. That's all I've ever wanted to do uh, when I was out. And just to be able to be healthy and, and help the team on the field and, and get a win and help the team win, is uh, that's everything to me. So, uh, you know, I'm very happy that the team played well today and that we got the win. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. We'll go to Jason Anderson next. Jason, go ahead, buddy. Uh, hi, Chris. Uh, congrats on the goal and, and getting the win. Um, I guess I have a two-parter. Um, the first is just, uh, do you remember your last uh, competitive goal? Uh, and then the second is, uh, it's, it seems like lately in the last two months or so, uh, not only are you getting more time, but you're getting more and more involved attack-wise. Is that just a development of your game, or is that um, is there something else playing into that? For sure. Uh, last competitive goal was... Uh, my senior year at Maryland, 2016, got to go away at Michigan in our, our last regular game of the season. Uh, so, you know, it's been a while. I don't get too many, you know, so I, I'll take this one. And uh, in terms of attack, you know, I, I just want to take more ownership in that, and I can do even more, I know. And I think it's uh, my teammates and coaches have seen it in, in training, but not as much in, in, in games. And, you know, people have come to me directly or indirectly, you know, telling me that they they want me to do more of it, and, and I have to take ownership and and be willing to do that day in and day out in every game. So you know, I, I want to do that more. Uh, my team they recognize that I can help the team that way. So you know, people have come up to me. Bill's been on me for years about it, about you know not letting them off the hook. Uh, Paul's someone who who I've been talking to a lot lately uh, about that, and then also Nolan. You know, Nolan came to me before the Chicago game, it's like take ownership, you know, take the responsibility of making a play for your team on the offensive end. So, you know, I was, I was glad I was able to do that tonight. We'll go to Jose Umania next. Jose, go ahead. Hey, Chris, congrats on the goal. On the, in the defensive side, what did you feel or how did you feel you guys performed overall and where did you feel you guys excelled at the most? Yeah, I, I thought we did, did great uh, defensively, uh, especially with the pressure they kind of put on us in the second half, uh, especially after the goal. You know, uh, on the goal, it was a little unfortunate. You know, me, myself, I, I should have made a better play on that header and, and not headed it back straight to their team. So, you know, I, I take uh, ownership of that mistake. And, uh, you know, I thought overall we did well defensively. They didn't have too many chances. Even their goal was kind of like a half chance. So, you know, I, I thought defensively we were great. And I'm glad that the way we responded after giving up the goal, you know, that, that that's everything. We could have put our heads down like we have in times and games before, but, you know, we felt we could have won and we did that. We'll go back to Steve Goff. Steve, go ahead. Chris, uh, Chad just credited you for all the hard work you've put in um, over the years uh, to, to get back to this point. Um, what, what, describe what it was like um, since you were able to uh, return to competitive soccer and, and what you've had to uh, go through to get to get to this point. Yeah, it's, it's all love. You know, I, I did work hard, but, you know, a lot of people work hard with me, you know, teammates, coaches, and especially our, our training staff and medical staff. You know, they've done a lot for me and I'll always and forever appreciate that. And, you know, that's, that's my way of giving back and, and saying thank you is, is coming on the field and working hard and, and helping the team, you know, get points. And that's, that's what I want to do. You know, I'm glad I've been healthy most of this year, pretty much all year to, 
be in a position every game to to help the team. So, uh, you know, uh, people know my story and you know know what I've been through. But you know, I, I don't. I try not to dwell on it too much. You know, I try to live in the present. And you know, right now it's it, it's great. Everything's great. We'll take one more question, Chris. We'll go to Emily Olson. Emily, go ahead. Hi, Chris. Congrats on the goal. Um, I wanted to know if there was anything said at halftime. It's the first time this team's been up uh, going into halftime in a while. And based on whether it was the response in the Philly game or what, um, was there anything said at halftime to kind of keep you guys in this game with a, in an unfamiliar position? Yeah, um, Chad came in and said, we got to start the half better. Uh, the start of the game wasn't great from us the first five, ten minutes. Uh, they were a little bit on top of us, so we wanted to start this half better. And we also didn't want to, you know, drop off the level. That was the main thing everyone was saying is that, you know, we're up one to go. We can't panic. We just got to keep playing the way we're playing and go for a second one. Unfortunately, they tied it up. But, you know, credit to us for, for staying with it and having the belief that we could still win the game. And, you know, that's what we did tonight. You know, every everyone played their part. Everyone worked hard. And it's just been a great progression, you know, the last that's the last three games for us. Uh, Chad said, you know, during this week that we, we lost a game against Chicago that we played better and we should have won. We tied a game against Philly that we felt that we should have won. And the next progression was to get a win in a game that we should win. And, you know, that's what we did. And, you know, everybody's happy that we were able to do that. So, uh, yeah. Chris, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it, and congrats again, buddy. That's DC United's Chris Aduiachim, uh scoring his first career MLS goal tonight. He said it was his first competitive goal since, what, 2016? And, you know, we, we kind of glossed over it at the beginning of the show, but there was a time not too long ago that they, it had not been going through Chris's mind that he might not play again when he was dealing with cancer. And uh, just so excited uh, for, for him to find the back of the night tonight. And, and you know, he – he was in attacking positions throughout the night. Um, so it was it just definitely a result of, of great work from him to, to put himself back in the position to, to be on the field as much as he's been lately. And, and tonight, you know, being in the right position to, to slot home the winner. Yeah, oh. absolutely. I, and I think it's a sign. I, I thought this when I saw it going, it's a sign of a good team when other people are scoring goals. A, a great team, a team that has good, mechanics and, and works really well the striker will score the goals but a really good team a team that's working well together and working hard for the same mission which is winning the game you'll get goals from center backs and right backs and stuff like that i uh, completely agree i every single day i'd rather have not a breakaway leading goal scorer on my team i'd rather have more people on the team scoring because i think that just speaks to your tempo and the way that you're playing as opposed to you just like feeding it to one person every time and having them slot it through to the back of the net like i'd always rather have it be more of a team effort and kind of shared responsibility to score the goals um because a little bit also like if that person gets injured what are you going to do then right i'd rather see everybody take ownership like I mean, today we saw two defenders score, right? The fact that they're taking ownership. You just heard Chris say that, like, he had those opportunities. We all saw that he was making those great, like, offensive runs forward. Um, You love to see it. You love to see and even hear about his recovery story and just the fact that he's been able to come back, um, that he was able to kind of beat cancer is in remission. He's able to come back and kind of play this professional career that was in front of him, um, that he's – and he's really thriving. Can I, we just have all the goals from all the players? <laughs> oh, yeah, so I, as I was saying, I was like, I, I will challenge that just a little bit, only right. to say that I would love to have, in addition to you know, periphery player scoring, 
I love to have a Joseph Martinez back in 30-some a season as You're well, right. right? But and, also, and like, I then Joseph gets injured, and what is Atlanta doing right now? Not Ooh. a whole lot. And there are a lot of different pieces that go into that. I understand that it's, like, very surface level to just say that it's Joseph missing. But, like, that's a huge part of what they're going through right now. So I would absolutely rather – and obviously, D.C. United has not been scoring goals this season, right? So I can't say that because two of our defenders yeah. scored tonight, everything is solved, and this is a great team. Right. Like we, we still have our problems that we're going to need to work through. I'm just saying that, like, I would rather see goals from multiple people as opposed to just well, having that one key person that you always rely on. And, and honestly, I, I think that seeing defenders scoring is also evident of a change in mindset of we actually want to go forward. We, For sure. We yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You saw And that was not the one time that Chris Adoyacha went forward. He was involved up the line the entire day. He was given free reign to do it. He almost had another one, you know, a little bit more composure. And he puts a second goal in the back of the net and really puts yeah. the, the, the game away. And the fact that your defenders feel like they have the ability to go forward and create like that, that's encouraging. And that's, that's fun. Yeah. I, I love it. And, and especially because John, it could, it couldn't, doesn't have to be injury sometimes your, your star player's wife gets homesick and then you have That's to right. figure out how to play without them we God. watch a lot of atlanta games <laughs> oh man I, it's just you really had to bring that up tonight <laughs> just like I, messing with you at this oh, point oh man i'm just gonna blood's gonna boil i, I, I mean i i guess i totally agree right i mean i think anyone would agree you'd love to have goals come from wherever you can get them I just, I guess I'm a little bit concerned. And, and I think more than anything, it's probably just the fact that they're now free and they're now playing a more like, attacking style. But Kamara's going to score 20 goals for whatever team we, <laughs> we trade him <laughs> to. It's like, what are we going to do to buy a goal from the attacking portion of this team, right? It's like, I want to continue to see our defender score, but I want our attackers to score five times more, right? I completely and like, agree. That's yeah. what's killing yes. me. Yes. I, I, yeah, I agree with that sentiment. Um, the fact, yeah, that. Donnie Pines even found himself standing at the opposing team's end line and was able to pick yeah. that ball up. Is like, so I mean, Sorga, where were you? Like, where oh, was man. where Rivas was in at that point, right? Like, where yep. were either of our forwards in that situation? I love to see our defenders pounding on that, but also like, I don't know, their defender boots it down the field and what's happening in defense? Right. Yeah, I'm never never feeling good when center backs are that far forward. Of like, you except know, when they score. Except when they score. That's right. <laughs> and uh, you know, credit to Donovan. So we're starting to get some questions coming in here on the YouTube and apologies for little technical issues getting that started. So we are up on YouTube right now as well as, uh, of course, on Twitter. Um, you can always join the show using the hashtag tried and true DCU or jumping in any of the various chats and we'll have the call in line here open in, in, in just a second. Um, but, you know, important question I, I do want to address here because I think we were a little bit more excited um, uh, about the Jordi Reyna signing than we were the, the, the Rivas signing. But there's a question in here and, and I believe that um, he's potentially – I don't know that it's necessarily COVID, but he's definitely out uh, with an illness or an injury or something. He's been out for a little while, and it did sort of seem as if that was the issue when we were in New York. But don't want to speculate too much. But yeah. We yeah. just haven't we don't want seen to start from, that. Uh, <laughs> we haven't we haven't heard from Yuri Reyna really in in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. I just stating the fact that there was COVID within the Peru camp. That's where Yordi was. We don't know if he's quarantining or or if he's you know unfortunately got the illness. Uh, I I can't wait for him to come back. I I liked what I saw from him. Uh, I I don't know if he's your twenty thirty goal scorer, but he he seems like a pretty good pickup. Uh, no, that's still Kamara, right? Uh, Kamara will score twenty goals for whatever team we send him to. Uh, after he's the still end. got time this season. What do we Dude, got? Would you not left? save him? Would you not try to keep him for next season? Uh, it depends on the salary. It, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he needs to go somewhere else uh, to be afforded. I would probably bet that. 
the Galaxy would take him back right now. They, they kind of need someone to score goals. So are you thinking in the best for Kamara right now or in the best for DC uh, United? Best for well, both parties. Kind of like a CP situation where it's not really working anymore. It's towards the end of your career. Okay. Let's let's see if we can shake things up and, and work for CP when he went to LA. I think Kamara could use from a change of scenery in DC well, United. Well, CP went to Philly first. <laughs> I mean, and kind of missed their glory days. He was a part of that buildup. That's right. The only thing is, I, I mean, I know – some of you guys are definitely more uh, interested in, in in what happens to the players after they leave you know, DC United. I mean, I, I would look at it 100% from DC United's team. If they think Ola yeah. Kamara could, should stay, then he I mean, can stay. If they want to get rid of him, they should show him the door. I think it's a given that he needs to leave this team. Yeah, and I think we've, we've said that all along, is that you need to bring in a striker who's going to produce for you, and you haven't seen that from Kamara at this point. I think most of us are prepared to say that. that Do we know why though? But I also, absolutely I, right. I absolutely also have that question because I mean, we just got rid of Boateng, right? And he's like tearing it up for Columbus right now, right? So like, is it just that this system wasn't being played to his advantage and potentially in a give him another season in a system where we are more attacking mindset and we are sending those balls in more? Does he have that success? Because I would argue that like. Maybe we got rid of Boateng too soon, right? And well, like he was kind of sad to leave. He if, didn't think he had a fair shot. If that's the situation, then he's got five games to show it, and they they're showing that they're going to do kind of a platoon setup up front. So you're right; they, there could be an opportunity for him to play his way into there. But if you don't do that over these next five games, I agree with Joshua that he probably is going to be uh, applying his trade somewhere else. And so, who do you think we're, we're getting, get, we're, getting we're to getting replace him of, though? Oh no, 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 we're getting a bunch of comments on on YouTube, uh, guys. If this is one of your first shows, or if you've only been with us since DC United has been really, really bad. Uh, I love Kamara. I, I've seen what he's done elsewhere in the league. What are the comments? Can oh, you uh, sum them up? People are saying don't don't rack and stack players without a new coach. Is it his fault? Okay. And, and such. Okay. Uh, Kamara, I think, is still a double-digit goal scorer in this league. I don't know. Man. I don't know if an outside coach or a coach coming in will want to keep him on the squad, right? I, I think Why? Com- uh, because of what this year has shown. He, okay. he, he clearly doesn't mesh with it. Unless unless that coach is so confident in their system providing to that type of forward, I, I, I don't think they keep Kamara around. And Kamara can't be happy with this, right? He, he's used to scoring double-digit goals, and he's got, what, three this year so far, and two are from the spot. Uh, look, I... I, I He's I agree. still in the Golden Boot race for DC United, though, <laughs> for what for what that's worth. Oh man, uh, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> like uh, I would love to see. I think. Oh man, let's get deep. Uh, th- I think Yamil can be this ten eight this this playmaker in the midfield. I think Edison is the left or Ariel is the right. I think DC United needs to spin it forward. If you're going to get a coach, yeah. I really hope you spend some money. DC United have been spending money. Let's give them that. They have been spending money on players. I think you go for the nine this season, and if it's uh, hopefully someone like Joseph Martinez, Giovinco, uh, they 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 didn't quite make it in La Liga or, or Syria or whatever, and you bring them in MLS and they tear it up. And I think I'd like to see them along those lines, like not bring in someone in in the on the back nine of their career or oh, the, the back three of their career, right? Like I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to see, um, you know, someone who's younger and has you know some some upside in the prime of their career right now it's obviously riskier in in a lot of ways right um but i I don't know that we've seen dc united do that at the nine position in a true dp 
other than Wayne Rooney, who doesn't really fit the mold I just described. Yeah, right? but so. it's, it's a little bit of risk, but also a little bit, a bit of investment, right? Because if we could find someone who's kind of in the cusp of breaking out into their career and we get two really solid years out of them, and then we like are able to sell them for a lot more than what we received them or what we <laughs> paid for them, and then we're able to kind of replace them pretty quickly, right? Like that is kind of the mentality that DC, that, that all of MLS is really getting into as a selling league, right? Like that's kind of what you're going for is that you're either bringing these kids up through the academy or you're signing them super young and you're taking that risk on them and assuming that you're able to pass them forward. Yeah, it, it doesn't look like we have a striker in the pipeline. Uh, Kudu Pichero seems to be a little bit more of an attacking midfielder or winger. Um, so I, I think it will have to be important. I, I see the comment about El Marone. Oh man, that would be fun. Uh, <laughs> What's the comment? Uh, talking about, we've mentioned Joseph Martinez, how he was awesome. They said he was awesome when he had El Marone scoring behind him. Uh, bring in El Marone, basically. Okay. <laughs> and that's another thing we were saying. You you need a 10 who's pulling the strings because El Marone doesn't score a lot of goals, but makes the players better around him. So, oh man, I, I look if, if we do get a 10 like that, it doesn't matter who's playing striker. We could get Kai Kamara on one leg and he would bury <laughs> so many goals. If, if you have that kind of chance generation, which we don't right now, and that's we, that's the Kamara's credit, we don't have the chance. Generation. I mean, that's what Gressel is supposed to be, though, right? And we saw a lot more of those balls in today. Um, obviously, the, this whole entire season it has not played to his advantage. I'm more asking the question, right? Is like you two were super excited for Gressel to come in. Joshua has been Gressel's number one fan homeboy since he was in college. So like you were very excited. Fan homeboy. (laughs) (laughs) You were very excited to see him come to DC United. And we expected him to be that chance creation. And I understand chance creation through the midfield and chance creation out wide are two separate things. But why is that not working to DC United's strength? I mean, how many times tonight do we say there was only one person in the box i think that's why we we don't martinez is frequently the single person in the box last season martinez could outplay every single defender in this league and he has done it we don't have a striker like that so if you're going to play like that you need the striker that can beat most players or you need to be able to get in behind players and we don't have that either i i still think gressel is good his stats prove it he's mls rookie of the year which i mean come on so I think kind of what I'm getting at though is like so then does Gressel even work in the system for next year? Well, we don't know what the system is for yeah, next year, right. right? Which I think is the tough part of yeah. of going deep on players, right? Is I think there's talent here. There's talent that's hurt right now, unfortunately, too, which has been a big part of this season. Um, but I, it is it's just tough to speculate, right? I mean, I want to know what that system is, and I want to, or I want to know what that coach you know wants out of a team. And at the end of the day, you know. You do not win games if you don't score goals. I was looking back through our past results. Every time we've scored two goals this season, we've gotten points out of the game. Yeah. Which, you know, hasn't happened as much as we'd like. But if you can get multiple goals, you're in a very good position to at least leave a game with a point. And a lot of the times we've been happy with a point now this season. And you've got to find the goals from somewhere. We haven't managed to create as many as we'd like. It's trending in the right direction. Let's see if that continues. So just switching it then to something that's like pretty guaranteed next season um, is that Ariel is going to be back. And mm-hmm. something that stuck out to me and what Chris said and what we've heard Yao say in the past um, is that they're really talking to Paul Ariola and he's really being oh, a yeah. leader on this team and he's really guiding these young players and giving them advice and uh, even Kevin Paredes, right, has oh, yeah. kind of said that he is really taking them under their wing and trying to prune them as good players for D.C. United. He has signed recently a three-year contract. Um, it's kind of up in the air whether or not we're going to see him at the tail end of the season or not. There are some uh, 
sorry, I was gonna say there are some U.S. men's national team games, but I think those are in Europe, so he might not be available for that call up. Yeah. Um, but either right. way, hopefully, like you know, we may or may not see him this year. Definitely gonna see him next year. He's recovering from that ACL he um, tore in preseason. So, what do you all think? Like, is he kind of the next like captain of DC United? Like, how do you see him fitting? We don't know what next season is going to be, but like, he's pretty definitively going to be at DC. And we've heard so many leadership things from him off the field. I, I mean, I would like to see that. I, I don't know that I'm quite ready to cast Burnbaum aside as the captain. And yeah. I, I know that's not your intent with the question, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love Bill. me Stephen Burnbaum. Right. Well, not, and, that, not... and that's why I know, right? <laughs> um, I don't want him to go anywhere well, anytime soon. And you can have multiple guys demonstrating leadership on the field. Oh, you absolutely. have to have the armband. And that's what we've been saying a lot of the season is that you need some players who are able to step up and really bring that leadership and you know find ways to animate the games, get the other guys to raise their level of play. It's, it's a long season. It's hard to maintain that focus and, and play all the way through it. I'm fine with having multiple guys who are able to lead strong in practice and in the games and get where we need to be well and, and similar to that i mean i think we've talked a lot about how we're going to have overlapping talent uh with, with a healthy roster even if this roster was fully healthy we were going to have challenges in, in the midfield getting everybody minutes and and one of the things that i i'd like to see and i know that you know josh i don't think you were quite as excited about it uh and i don't think the player himself was excited about it but you know if we saw gressel in more of a wingback role next oh. season you know i think it, that would be to me, one of the ways to get as much of the talent potentially on the field at once, um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. John, you're absolutely wrong. I, I think that, <laughs> I think that's where Gressel belongs. He, okay. he, he he's he's not going to beat in. Well, he's not fast enough to beat most left backs in this league, which isn't saying much. But he's he's just not a fast in behind yeah. player. Uh, he could do great things on the. He did great things on the overlap for for Atlanta because that's where they put him because he wasn't a premier striker and they had premier strikers. I, we have one at, at right mid or right wing, whatever you want to put Paul at. I, I think Gressel should be behind him. Yeah. Uh, he, he can defend enough. He's got enough reps at, at in the back line for that. Uh, whether he's willing to do that or not, I think he kind of came to DC to play more of a midfield role. But I, I the good news that, is everything's changed since he signed here, right? So <laughs> yeah, literally well, everything, yeah, pretty much changes. everything. Well, and you know we've seen a couple of times, and I don't know if I necessarily want to see this. Is that Paul has played a ten for us as well? I think I'd rather have him out wide where yeah. he is going to play with the national team as well. I think there's value to consistency there, but you know maybe that's something that the next coach will will look at. So uh, go ahead. I I just hope DC is pitching this because because as a tactician or a coach, you should be chomping at the bit to play with these pieces, to have yeah. these at your disposal because, because they can do these things. Areola can play as a 10, but he's also, uh, you know, a national team caliber right wing. Gressel can play as right mid, but he has won the MLS cup as a right back or, or in that position. Um, so hopefully we, the dream is that we get a coach who comes in maybe gets a couple signings of their own, but also is able to develop the squad that we've seen a, an uptick of performance from. Okay. So speaking about wide and especially kind of our wing backs, um, we've been talking a lot about rotation on the squad, but honestly, COA has been starting a lot more. I would have expected Fisher to get some reps in this team, right? Like, so obviously COA played really great tonight. He was so offensive. Um, he, I mean, he scored that goal. He had multiple opportunities. He was creating chances, but prior tonight, I would have argued that Fisher is the more offensive defender and that he streaks up the field more and he's better able to kind of provide those chances in. 
Um, are you all surprised that Fisher's not getting those opportunities? Again, kind of like, obviously tonight we saw what that was, but going into tonight, I was personally surprised. What we saw from Fisher in 2018 was great. Uh, he was very quick on the wing. He got up and down. He was in the back. The, the second half of 2018. The right. first half of 2018 was was a little bit weaker. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. We were on the road every week. Came, came into his <laughs> form, and then he got hurt. But uh, it, it was good. And so from the that tape and the very little that we got from COA, yes, Fisher was ahead of him. I mean, Fisher was a, a plays for a national team. He plays for the reggae boys. Um, but apparently in practice or, or whatever, the coaches are seeing that COA is a better choice. And now we saw it on the field tonight. Uh, we haven't seen Fisher score goals and we haven't seen him. And, and it wasn't just the goals. COA was in the box multiple times. And I was like, who is that? And, and we haven't experienced that. I, I think Chris has a higher upside than Fish at this point, which is why he's getting a lot of minutes. I think he's, he's got more room to grow. But I think the, the, the ceiling is probably higher than it is with Fish. I, I don't know. I mean, yep. there's, there's a big part of me that's like, I, I like, I've like i always liked Joseph Moore. I think he's been playing well. You, you, if you put a Gressel on the other side and you have a Chris available to, to come in if you want to push you know, a Gressel up the field further or whatnot, like it just it gives you options you know, there. Um, so real quick, we're live on tried and true the DC United post game podcast, uh, presented by Heineken. And of course, if you want to join the show, jump into the YouTube comments, use the hashtag tried and true DCU, or uh, give us a call at 202-892-6328. That's 202-892-6328. And, and coming off of a big three points tonight, DC United find themselves just five points out of a playoff position with four games to go, uh, and, and only one point out of the wooden spoon race. So that's yeah, important things. All right. Well, going back <laughs> to right before I, I, yeah, I would encourage everyone to kind of hop on and chat with us. Um, we love when you do it. I appreciate John for pointing that out, but kind of what you got, what you said was what I was kind of getting at is it almost sounds like um, COA is filling this role that you would like to see Gressel fill in if he were to play in the defense, right? Like Chris, Chris is filling that right now. And obviously he's not at the caliber that Gressel is right now, but we could potentially see him get there. So does that mean that we are able to put Gressel in a different position and we have an even more offensive-minded team, which is crazy to even say because three games ago, that's not the conversation we were having. I don't think our problem is having too much depth at that position. I, I see what you're talking about as far as the fact that tonight you saw Chris animate and go forward and create the same, the same kind of things we want out of a, a winger, uh, and there could be competition for that moving forward. And as we've said all along, it's this is a team that needs to have depth. You can't just have 11 players that you roll out there. We've seen this year that you can get hit by injuries. You can hit by all sorts of different things that hold you up. You know, it, And if it is a situation where you've got a, a guy like uh, Chris Dewey-Ashim who's pushing Gressel for minutes, that just makes everyone better. Yeah, I think it's um... – you, you want to, I guess my question, Sam, back to you would be like, where is that spot for, for Gressel then, right? If it's, where would you put him to be more successful that we haven't seen this year? Or do you think it's different with a different surrounding cast? You know, if we, if we bring in a, um, a DP nine, right. Is that make Gressel more successful in the roles he's been playing this season? I, yeah, I think absolutely. I think if we had more of a target forward, um, I'd love to see kind of a stagger to up top, but a little bit of a stagger. I think that that would make Gressel more successful. I also think that um, Gressel has a little bit, um, he has more breadth to what he can bring to the team than COA does. And that's not to take anything from COA. I think yeah. it can develop into such a phenomenal 
um, people in the comments back. have been saying he's he's still raw. Oh, absolutely, yeah. he's still young. I mean, 2016. Yeah. He's, he's not. Yeah. I mean, he's in his mid twenties, right? He has a lot of time to grow. We lost into. a year and a half too. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. He has so much time to grow into, and that's what I mean. Young, like his career is young. Sure. Maybe oh, he is a little bit older, but he's gone through a lot that's maybe held that back. So I think that he has a lot of time to grow into being that very offensive outside back, and I think that then you afford Gressel the opportunity to play out wide um, or to see what he wants in the middle right like I'm I'm pretty sure he said that that's not necessarily the trajectory he sees his career going but I I mean give him the shot right like see what happens I'd love to just be able to have that creativity even because I think that we could capitalize on his skills more if he were higher up the field than having him sit back yeah, you're right. Uh, someone pointed out in the comments that Fisher did play 90 minutes, so maybe this is a bit of a knee-jerk reaction from the Odiatsum goal. Uh, they're both still viable option. Gressel is definitely a viable option at, at, at right back once Areola comes back. Well, it's I mean, good things to have, right? Yeah, I mean, we started the show talking about you know fixture congestion and and ro- squad rotation just being a big part of what we're seeing here, and so um, yeah, definitely good good shout and appreciate keeping us honest on on ninety minutes for for fish on on Wednesday. Um, yep, do appreciate. But it'll that. be interesting to see you know what happens next next weekend. Now, um, I mean, it, I think it'd be. I think the two are close right now. I mean, I I don't think one is is head and shoulders above the other, and and coming off a night like tonight with Chris so, being in the right place at the right time, I I would like to see him get the start next weekend. So, so going into next week with a week off, you know, assuming you get everyone healthy that you can, and that is a big assumption this year. Do you think the lineup we see next week is Chad Ashton's number one? This is our best lineup. You know, this is a game where Atlanta's only a couple of points ahead of you in the standings. If you're going to make a run, you've only got a couple of opportunities left to do it. It'd be really great to pick up three points in a situation like this. Do you think that the lineup we see next week is Chad Ashton's first choice? This, these are the guys who I'm going to count on to get me points when I really need them. So before we get Russell back next weekend, right? Yeah, it's only one game suspended. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the starting if, lineup if we put on the roster. We get him back. Oh, oh man, that's brutal. That's a yeah. shot after the shot. <laughs> no, I mean, black, for sure, right? To, to your initial question, though, if I guess there's a big part of me that always thinks we're seeing the best lineup that that the coaches believe we can field in the situation based on you know fitness levels, right? Um, but yeah, you you've got to throw everything at the wall against Atlanta. This so, but my weekend. question was that like we get Russell back, right? We get mm-hmm. Junior Moreno back, and then we also have bill back right so those are three very key players who at the beginning of the season were like starting lineup right and we've like been hoping for them to have them back yeah um those are three additions to this lineup that we just said we're pretty short right we didn't have a very deep bench tonight um so i just thought that was an important clarification as we look forward to next week is that it will have those additions you create you create a Yamil Assad problem (laughs) right (laughs) by bringing them back because i think Yamil's played so well at like the eight He's kind of been playing over the last. I mean, you don't have to put games. them back in; they're well, available. But I mean, it it, it depends on what you want to do, right? Like if you're gonna back. if you're gonna continue. Well, so I'm not gonna put him in an outside back, right? I mean, I, I think that's always been the wrong move for Russell when there's you know outside backs to three, actually play three, outside three backs right side that are available <laughs> and healthy. Um, I, that drives me up a wall. But um, the Sean Franklin treatment, right? I mean, you could plug Russ and. Um, and what's his name, Moreno, you know, in it at defensive mid. But 
I think we've seen that. I, I've not been thrilled about it. Like yeah. I almost would, you know, maybe just plug Russ in for um, for Nyman, who, who by the way had a great game tonight. Uh, and you'd we, sit junior. Uh, hey, coming off the injury, maybe. We, we, we've talked uh, about I'm just this asking. before. Yeah. After a decade of Ben Olsen, uh, look, I hope he's been shaping this roster. I, I, we don't we don't know the dynamic between Casper and him. But I don't think another MLS coach who's trying to score goals and win games plays two defensive mids. We have yeah, two. I, I think they're some of the best D mids in, in the league, but they don't really get the showcase that because they're both playing next to each other. And, and so all the balls they win, every challenge they make doesn't go anywhere because we don't have an attack to them. So I, it will be interesting if, if Ashton decides to play both of them or, or, you know, we're talking about moving forward. What Do we play two D mids? I I don't think you should play two D mids with regularity either, and I especially don't think you should do it, you know, playing teams at the bottom of the league like Cincinnati tonight. Obviously, we didn't, and then um, you know against Atlanta coming up this weekend. That's another team where I'm not looking. Uh, I, I'm not looking to defend a whole lot. I'm looking to be on the front foot as much as we can because not only do you need points, but I mean it's it's a team that we're capable of beating. Yeah, I completely. I mean, at this point in the season, you might as well go for three points every single time right like you all said like is um chad just kind of looking at the players he has is he I, I think you can do both i think that you can look at the players you have and you can put them in the best positions to win because i think regardless like you can bring a new coach in next season and he can have his own assistant coach that he's going to bring in with him right and he can have his own like back of house staff that he just kind of clears out the locker room staff and he brings in his own new people that's not an absurd concept that's pretty common, right? That someone comes in with their staff. So I think that Chad, even if he's not throwing his name in for head coach, he needs to be throwing his name for in for assistant coach. And he needs to be going for those wins and showing that he has that tactical know-how and he can provide creative solutions to challenges. And if the challenge is going to be that you can field more than eight or you can roster more than 18, but you still only have 19. Right. And like you need to figure out how to get wins out of those 17 people. I think that that is absolutely something that he should be going for. Yeah. And something we need to take into account is that it's not binary with these players that just because they are D mid or, or that's what we view them as they sure. can evolve a coach oh, can yeah. come in and, and tell Moreno, Hey, I need you to be a bit, bit more ball playing. I need you to be a little bit more like what Nyman's been doing on the ball advancing. And we could see that change. Um, the whole right back situation we talked about, um, look it's all pending and i'm excited for it i don't think it'll it's very rare for that to just like flip a switch and become just greatness overnight i think it'll take some time uh and some working with with the squad and with the transfer windows Uh, but those are those are possibilities yeah i mean i think one of the things we've seen um especially more so as of late and and definitely throughout the the ashton era which is ticked up to three games now um but we've seen two strikers uh right yeah. which has been it, tonight i'd like to see the actual heat map because it felt like we didn't have two strikers uh, for a lot of the night <laughs> um but on paper you know it was in, supposed to be two up top which you know is is old school dc united uh in terms of formations old school but, soccer right yeah. well and yeah. it, it's getting to the basics right which in a lot of ways is probably suiting this team the basics for a reason right yeah um so i think that you know that that helps and then you, whether you can do a diamond in the midfield or you just like you said joshua you have players that are just stretching the field more and they're getting back to defend but they're also you know a little more lethal on, on the offensive end so a little bit, but yeah, getting back more to like 
this season and knowing that we have like more depth on the defensive side, both like in the actual defense and then in defensive mid than we do and say like the forward and attacking players. I, I don't know. Like, how do you all combat that? Which we've like talked about a little bit, but do you just, do you just ask them to evolve kind of within the season and push up more? I mean, we've seen these players be able to push up more, but it's not necessarily like the 11 that if everyone were healthy are like our best 11 on paper, but our best 11 on paper are more defensive players. Do you get what I'm asking? Yeah, like, and I, I do think that a lot of that is something we're not going to have an immediate answer to either because okay. a lot of what we've seen out of these guys is how they fit into a system that is defense first, second, and third, and then if you get a chance, <laughs> maybe go forward. Uh, but then make sure you get back and defend immediately afterwards. <laughs> uh, so we don't know, and you've seen a little bit of it today, like you know, Chris Duazem going forward and creating chances. You, we don't really know if a different coach is going to see players differently, maybe have different ways to, to piece them together. And I think it's exciting to be able to say for a lot of these guys, hey, this has been a frustrating season. This is my chance to really show what I can do and show it for a new coach because – one of the reasons that I think by the end, sadly, it was time for Ben to go is that we had seen 10 years. We had seen all the, the tricks that he had, and it, he himself said it was time for a change. It's a, a new opportunity for everybody. I mean, we've seen that from Assad. <laughs> yeah, Yamil Assad has definitely uh, been playing leaps and bounds better over the past few games um and and speaking of you know players playing well it's time to award our man of the match um who wants to go first tonight go for it john i get to go first (laughs) uh this is hard i mean i I think donovan pines had another great night um i obviously hats off to chris duyachum but you know the one player that just really stuck out to me as as making a difference being in the right place at the right time and and you know kind of making you get excited about the plays uh it was moses nyman i I was thrilled with how well he played tonight um and i think he's uh he's the the ceiling is you talk about a high ceiling moses has the potential to be you know a real stud not only for the black and red but hopefully for the stars and stripes down the road yeah. I feel like we haven't even talked about him in the show, but he did have a really great show. Joshua, who, what did who scores say? Uh, no, I just – look, I just check who scores. <laughs> I just check who scores to smack down any of you guys because Sam was saying Paredes when he had like three passes to the other team and that was it. Uh, in 90 minutes, wow. Uh, th- I mean, was that would be his only contribution <laughs> okay. and, and you would still give him the man of the match. My man of the match is Pines. He scored a goal, scored a goal tonight again. He's on a hot streak, the best streak of any DC United player this year. Uh, the goal, the goal was not his fault at all. Uh, it's more <laughs> sights just bubbling. So he would have had a clean sheet and a goal had not for sights as error. So I, I'm giving it a pop. He had that big header on the clearance too. You know, yeah. He is a force on both ends. Yeah. Do you think Donovan has a shot at winning the Golden Boot? I mean, for, he's on, he's on pace for right? DC based on starts and oh yeah, well obviously for DC. No, for <laughs> <laughs> what? no DC United player is going to be in the running for the Golden Boot. Yeah. I think he does. I mean, he's what Kamara's at three, and that's the highest. I, I can can he take a penalty? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, boy, I, n- now I kind of want to see it. I'm not gonna lie, Michael, who's your man in the match? Uh, I think it's. I'm not gonna ever think it. I think uh, Chris Joy Atchum had a wonderful game. You saw the effort the entire way. You know, first half chasing balls. You know that probably going out of bounds that still managed to you know put a slide in to keep going second half you saw him 
you know, chase of all that really didn't know was going to, to come to him, but he got himself in position, got the goal, won the game for us, and then really could have had a second goal on top of that. Uh, so it's straightforward. It's what the team said, and I agree. It was Chris Dwight for me. Yeah, I think the three that you said were kind of the three going into tonight's pod that I was like, these players have all been playing so well tonight, um, and they all definitely deserve a shout. But for for me, I'm going to go with COA. Um, I think that he's just really embraced this new mentality that the team has had. And like I said, um, kind of going into tonight, I thought that Fisher brought more of the offensive option. Obviously, one game kind of doesn't change the entire mentality, but he definitely showed up tonight, and he showed up in a way that I think this team really needs um, – and he provided a lot for the team, not just in his goal, but he provided a lot of opportunities. Um, he had a lot of really great kind of defensive, hardworking plays. Um, he provided a lot up top, uh, and I think he deserves it tonight. Also picked up a card on the night. <laughs> so did Moses, though. And I'm so proud yeah. of him. I always root for our young kids to get cards. I love it. Yeah, Moses's tonight was uh, what was it? I think it was Wednesday when Moses was actually getting you know, real physical with somebody. Tonight, I think he took somebody out who could have had a really good ball in to, to potentially score going. Oh, it was it was so absolutely D- different types of yellow cards, obviously. But yeah, no, it, Moses, I'm so excited about him. You know, I oh, think yeah. it, it took me a little bit longer. Um, you can blame my soccer IQ or how many beers I drink during the games, but <laughs> it took me a little bit longer to to see Moses's. Uh, you know, ceiling, I think, than it did for guys like Yao and, and Paredes. And obviously, I think the media has been real big on on uh, on Nyman. He was named recently to, I don't know, was it like top 50 you know, oh, prospects in the world, in the yeah. world or something? Yeah. yeah, which is incredible. Um, I, I obviously don't have quite that eye for young talent, but you, you can see it in games like tonight. Um, you know, he, he just... He, he didn't seem like a kid out there, right? It was um, shocking to me. Yeah, he would, like, do plays. We'd be like, yeah, Nyman. And then they'd, like, zoom in. I'd be like, he's a child. Like, I knew that he was obviously the youngest on the field going in, but they'd just zoom in, and you would just see his face, right? And he's obviously still, like, a kid out there on the field, which just makes all that he's doing, I think, so much more impressive that he's yeah. really growing into his own, not just in skills, but just, like, his persona on the field and being able to own what he's doing and really, like, get into those hard – smart tackles right that like maybe you take a yellow but you're really preventing something that could have been bad for the team I think that's really intelligent um and I love seeing him do it and I'm so excited you're right such a high ceiling for where he's gonna go I did check the stats Kamara is leading the team with three he's got Assad um Bryant and now Pines behind him but two They're of Kamara's were yes and Andy Wayne <laughs> <laughs> And uh, but two of Kamara's were were PKs, so I think it, the tiebreaker there goes to the, to the run of play guys. So any of those three guys score a goal, I'm giving them the golden boot. I think they all deserve it too. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a, it's a fascinating great. end of the season in, in the DC United Golden Boot race. <laughs> so um, one thing I don't know, John, this might be where you're going, but one thing that's not DC United specific, but obviously was announced, um, is that the Supporter Shield is not being awarded this season um i have my thoughts i'd love to hear what you all think first and no wooden spoon either yeah (laughs) yeah which is probably more relevant to our uh, current situation definitely more relevant to us i i mean off the cuff i don't know that it bothers me um i mean i i think i understand some of the teams that are uh you know near the top i know toronto was frustrated um to to hear that but look at the end of the day yeah 
pound San Toronto. But uh, I, I mean, at the end of the day, this has not been anything close to an even season. It's not been anything close to a normal season. And I, I actually buy in a little bit. I mean, the trophy's called the Supporter Shield, and most supporters were not at most games this year. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Those are my thoughts. What do you guys think? I completely get where folks like Toronto are coming from, people who are at the top of the league saying you've overcome a lot. And MLS came out after the, the uh, Supporters Council released their statement and said, you're still going to get all the benefits of that we've tied to it. Uh, it's At the end of the day, it's a piece of silverware to put in your uh, trophy case. But we value those pieces of silverware quite a bit. Um, so my initial reaction was similarly saying, you know, these are – unbalanced schedules you played a lot of the teams at the same times it didn't really have any rhyme or reason for how it worked out and that's kind of what we said at the beginning of the season talking about how it's a shame that you're not going to play every team in the league anymore how it's not really representative of somebody who has run through the gauntlet it, it it's going to get away from that so wait, wait. For, so what did mls say because i i more saw what the federation yeah, and then so, like the council said they they are they still awarding a trophy so mls is not giving out a trophy because the trophy okay. is given out by the independent yeah, sports yeah, council yeah. but mls came out and said you know they didn't even go so far as to say that they were disappointed in the decision but it was to say that the team that finishes at the top of the league will get the top seed in the playoffs they'll get the bonus that they give out for those uh, for finishing in that position uh i think there's a, a Concacaf spot uh, yeah, yeah there is i think that was the main thing they, they said right is like they, they'll still get Concacaf. Uh, i mean you still get home field in the playoffs right and, and they said like everyone will always remember that they were the top regular season finisher in the season of 2020 except for you know, yeah they, they, they're not called the shield it's important to remember too and i mean this year's felt like a decade right but i don't know sometime in 2019 if i recall correctly um, the athletic got a hold of sort of the leagues like they they hired a, a marketing company or whatever and said like hey how do we how do we do mls better right and and one of the things that was in there was get rid of the supporter shield um and and the reason that was in there was just because you know in, in the minds of the market research that that these folks did and provided to the league um nobody cared in the u.s right like we <laughs> care about playoffs we care about you know crowning a champion at the end of a tournament regular season stuff's kind of like meh and, you know, over time, it became less and less even between the East and the West. Right? I was about to and, say, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And, and of course, now this year of like, well, wait a minute, you don't even play every team was like you said, Michael, you know, pre-pandemic, we weren't going to play every team and then throw that monkey wrench in. And I mean, we've seen, feels like we play New England every other week and can't ever beat them. Um, <laughs> but yet we haven't seen, uh, you know, where, where some teams, we, haven't seen, we don't see Orlando at all this year, which, I mean, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> Orlando playing well, but yeah, mi- minimal balance, if any, this year. Um, so I don't know. And, and you do wonder, what does that mean for the, the future of the trophy? I mean, I think the, the intent and learning more, which I learned a little bit more this week about where the trophy came from and, you know, kind of why it exists, um, I think we'll always stick around because it is a supporters driven thing, but it, it's tough for me uh, just knowing how unbalanced everything's going to pretty much have to be going forward that, you know, it's how valid is it? Right. Uh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> just like, make sure no Red Bull fans get what I'm about to say. Like, I wish we could unrecord, but you guys could still hear. I, I think the supporter shield is a pretty big trophy. I would rather win the supporter shield. I would rather have DC United win the supporter shield than MLS cup. Basically, because uh, because it look uh, that is the hottest of takes. Any team can show up halfway through the season, get get hot, 
spend a bunch of money in the in the in the transfer window and and win the MLS Cup. It's goofy. It's weird. It's not even soccer, right? It's some made up stuff that we did here in the U.S. Oh man! Gosh. If it wasn't okay, so two things to say that one: if it wasn't the Red Bulls frequently, could you name the last few Supporters Shield winners? The LAFC was the best team, maybe in the history of the league, minus some DC United early teams and Toronto that one year when they also won the Supporters Shield. Yeah. That team was the best team in the league, hands down, and didn't win MLS Cup yeah. because playoffs are goofy well, and weird, and you have to fly to see. The RSL and play there. And yeah, so part of what I'm getting at. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say. You know, last year you had LAFC. You know, year before that was the Red Bulls, and then year before that was Toronto. Toronto's the last team to win both trophies. So yeah. it is a challenge to be able to hold it together through the playoffs. It, absolutely. And, and part of what I'm getting at is is not to say that the concept of a supporter shield is, is bad. I think it's a great idea, yeah. but, but I think you can separate, you know, kind of what we have to deal with in MLS because there's so many teams expansion and it's a, not a balanced schedule, right? That is very different than the European concept, which I, I think we all really appreciate of like, yeah, it's the dream to play. I mean, the, right. the, the, the schedule in Europe is, is brilliant where you play every team home and away and that's it. And at the end of that, like you, you don't need playoffs, right? Yeah. Everybody played everybody twice and, and somebody comes out on top and that's the best team in the league. Right. Totally and, agree. And that's where I was getting. It, it, we don't have that in the U S we, we don't have even schedules. And even, even with that there there's, Oh, we play them after the January transfer window or the, the summer transfer window. So right. the teams are better in the second half of the season. What, that's not perfect. But what we have is so far from perfect uh, that it really does devalue the, the supporter shield. I, I wish it was better. I wish that yeah. we played every team twice, home and away, just like that. Yeah. But you'd still like to win it over MLS Cup. In, in its existing format? I would like to watch DC United win a supporter shield. I, I'm not saying More I would... More so re- than no. a cup. I would... Um, Is what you just said. So I, maybe... I haven't experienced a playoff win in <laughs> so long. It's hard, to, it's hard to say that. Oh, man. I, I would love to come to DC United and assume they win. Every game, because that's what it takes to win the sports show. Okay. You have to almost win. That's fair. Yeah, every yeah. single game. What what was the points total? The 70s, 60s, 70s? Yeah, so? until recently, it, it hadn't gone over seventy until uh, LAFC last year. So, yeah. which uh, I think is a good point. Too, you, which you're was you're basically saying. winning like, 102 points on the year. So that's yeah, yeah, really good. I would love to view that. I'm not saying look, MLS Cup is still the way we have it set up. It, it's it's the crowning achievement. But the Supporters Shield is. Well, soccer fans dream, right? Yeah, and not not to rehash the discussion we had earlier this year. You know, I, w- I had a lot more interest in the supporters' shield when you at least played every team. You know, in a, right. a league like right. this where you've got a, a divergent table with two different sides, and you're not going to be able to play everybody twice, but at least you could say that everybody had a, a shot at you, and you came out ahead of it. In a year like this, where we're not going to play most of the people in our time zone much less across the 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 sides of the league which was probably for the best for the way we've played for a lot of the year uh i I think i'm okay with giving a pass on on the trophy this year you know just like we talked about whether we would care about the mls's back trophy which i think moving forward we're not really going to look back on with too much regard yeah we'll try to forget that one forever yeah (laughs) uh i think you know it, it will go in that you know store of useless trivia for you know this team finished first they don't technically have a shield now if we were in position to win it i would certainly want them to hand it to us and sure. the, the team should actually make their own trophy if we were to finish in that position that's not our problem this year. so so d gomez brings up the Concacaf champions league <laughs> what about it i mean which i mean if you win the supporter shield 
Yeah. You get yeah. that birth, right? So, like, is that a part of the conversation? Like, no, is that part? So, Joshua, like, when you say you'd rather win that, like, it, does that lend you, more? You also get to go because yeah, if you, you win the MLS So, Cup. specifically what he said was, I'd like to see DC United win a Supporters Shield so we can make an appearance in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, so, how, but how does that play? It obviously, that's what he thinks. How does that play into what you all think of the trophy? So, the way you get to CONCACAF Champions League, it, there's several different ways to do it. You know, it's either winning Open Cup, it's winning MLS Cup, it's winning the Supporters' Shield, or being the top uh, scoring team in the other, or the top points team in the yep. other conference. And then it trickles down based on if somebody wins multiple. So, there are several ways to get there. Any one of those ways means that you are a pretty darn good team to, yeah. to be in that situation. And if DC United were in contention for any of those, absolutely. And this team should be shooting to be in Champions League, especially since they've changed the format from where it used to be, where you had to play several games against teams that had lower budgets uh, that were not really on the level you're expecting since they've changed it to be the modern knockout where you end up playing a team from Mexico almost immediately or the second round at the very least, it's definitely a lot more attainable. Yeah. We're a long way off from being competitive for a champions league growth. Well, and, and it's interesting that you bring up the new format there, right? Because, you know, Joshua, you alluded to, you know, kind of the, the playoffs being a bit of a sham at the end of the season. Right. And, and, one of the things that's even more frustrating to me is, is I don't know, I guess I've, I, I adopted soccer, you know, from the European side before I, I picked it up here in the U S to the point where I am now. But like when MLS got rid of the two legged, uh, you know, playoff games last year, I, I thought that was a travesty, right? I think that makes it even worse of like, you catch a team that's hot and, and you only get to play them one time. And, you know, you play them if you if you play them on the road, like it's even that much harder. I think it's just less representative of how good a team is. And so, like, luckily, you know, CONCACAF still has that, which is fun. And, and that was one of the things we were kind of robbed of this year on the long list of things we were robbed of um, because of COVID-19. But like seeing some of the back ends of those all those games would have been fun. <laughs> there are some rumors that they may be trying to finish it off in December. But I think it'll be like a bubble type thing is yeah. what I'd read, which, you know, obviously it would be great to see it through. Um, but it is always fun to just see. I mean, especially when they're midweek games, it's some of the, some of the stadiums have a tough time getting, I mean, DC United used to have a tough time getting fans to come out to those games, you know, midweek when you're playing, uh, you know, uh, a CONCACAF team, but then you end up going to Mexico on the back leg and it's mobbed and it's a crazy atmosphere. Right. Which is why I think it's interesting that you said that you prefer the two legs because there were like some stats behind the two legs that like, if, what was it? If you played home the first leg, you were like pretty much going to win it. Um, which was like, not how it was set up to be right like the lower team had played the the leg yeah, home it, first so like even like you saying that like you prefer that way I think a lot of people would disagree with you just because and just because of like the way that the stats ended up right you get to win at home and then kind of just like sit back away whereas the thought was supposed to be that like you get the second game it's kind of like taking the second PK right like a little bit of the pressure's off but that's not yeah. what ended up happening so you can almost say that like mess with the playoffs a little bit I mean, differently even. We've definitely gone off the rails as far as talking about. Oh, I love where this conversation this game, went. But, yeah, <laughs> but you're right. It, it is strange when you have a format where the better team gets to play at home in the second, but their goals are worth less because that's what happens when you have the away goals rule. If you don't have away goals, I don't really, I think you'd rather host the, the second leg and have it all to be decided at your home place. But if you have away goals where a, an away goals essentially worth two, 
it's uh, it's it's damaging to the, the team that's a higher seed. Well, and there's some coaches that prefer it either way, right? Like some coaches like to play at home in the first leg, and some coaches like to you know play at home in the second leg. And I, I remember having a similar conversation, you know, back at RFK, you know, the last time we were in the playoffs and, and dealing with or the last time we were in one of the, the two legged fixtures rather, um, and, and kind of dealing with that is like. I would be fine with whoever the higher seed is. Like they get to decide you want the home leg first or you want the away leg first. You pick, right? Away like, goals don't matter because they're kind of shambolic. Yeah. I mean, uh, away goals is, is, you know, part, just part of, I think what we're used to at this point, but I don't know. It's, it, it's shambolic until you end up in a PK, you know, in a penalty shootout, which is like that. the war. Oh, I that, hate, I listen. I and I saw, like, I don't love, I don't rather love- a third game. <laughs> fine that's fine i don't love the games go to pks but i think even more so i hate that games are decided on a, a goal that means more just because of where you're playing it i don't think that's like true to the game right like the, the whole point of soccer is that kind of every goal means the same thing so the fact that you have this situation where like you score and you're losing but because you scored you get to be the team that sits back because you're away and you got that first result like i just I, that that doesn't go towards like what the game is supposed to be now, how would we feel if we had the same one-legged playoff we have now, but you did it the same style that the FA Cup does, where if you tie, you replay it at the other team's ground? I'd be fine with that. I, there's not enough. There's yeah. not enough time. It, it, yeah. The US TV will not be okay with that. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, you know, from a pure competition format. It'd be fun. I'd love that. I, I think, I, I mean, Sam, I guess just to go back to away goals real quick, though, I kind of disagree because... I don't know if it's because we've it's been so long since we've been able to go to a game, but like I I think to me that was always a big part of like what the supporters bring of like it is harder to play at certain places and like if you have that advantage and then you go and you get a you know you you get a goal in a tough stadium like that that's that's harder to earn than a, than a goal at home. Um, I, I think that there's I I would I would think the stats would back that up right that like teams generally score more at home. Um, so I I actually I think. Wiggles probably should count I, for a little more. I love that you said that because that just brings it back to this whole supporter shield conversation, yeah. right? Like, I did not expect the conversation to go the way it did because what I was anticipating saying about the supporter shield is that, like, I listen, I've been a part of a supporters group since I was 21 and could drink and fully appreciate it. I've been going to games a lot longer, but the supporter shield really has nothing to do with the supporters, right? Like, the stats about, like, what it means to be at home, um, and like the advantages to you guys both just looked at the comments because you're expecting me to get roasted for that comment no no we're people are talking about the old school mls penalty oh, okay <laughs> no but i think which is indeed excellent. i think like it like saying this is the best atmosphere in mls and saying this is the team with the most points in mls are two completely different conversations sure. so like and i probably said it on the pod i've not been shy with this opinion is that like this I mean, the supporter shield is not the same thing that they do in Europe, right? It's like not even because you're not playing everyone the same. And the Western conference isn't a harder conference. When you went to this season where you're not even playing the same, every team in the league, I was like, okay, the supporter shield just doesn't mean a whole lot anymore, right? Because like, how can you say that competition is even the same when pre-2020 season, like you're playing a team like Dallas, who's like up and coming and maybe you're playing them twice and, but you like never play Cincy, but this other team in the East beat Cincy twice and they have more points, but the competition is like very off, right? Like you can say that prior to even this season, but then the fact that you're not playing everyone at all is just crazy to me. So then fast forward to today. And the fact that you say that like, yeah, the 
supporter shield is not being awarded because it's been so crazy because you're playing the same team eight times and you're not playing anyone in the other conference totally fine whatever but the fact that you are going to then say that like we're not going to award the supporter shield because there weren't supporters in the stadium I kind of disagree with that mentality I think that like had the pandemic hit and they were like okay we're gonna go the 2020 schedule the way it was intended in March and just supporters aren't going to be there, I think you still award the shield. Mm -hmm. But I think I like the argument that it's because supporters aren't in the stadium. I disagree with that. And I, I think there's so much and like, I'm so excited to like this time next year when we have so many more stats about what it means to play home with supporters and to play home without supporters. That's going to be massive. I'm not saying that supporters don't bring an energy and they don't absolutely help a home team. And like there are definitely stadiums that are harder to play at because of the atmosphere that that home, those home fans bring. That's not the argument I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that like the supporter shield is not awarded based off like how hard it is to play at your stadium because this schedule is so unbalanced. Sorry. It took yeah. me a little while. To no, get there. I think that's perfectly fair. And you know, I think it, the better argument on it is about the really unbalanced schedule instead of the semi-unbalanced schedule we normally have. And I think we'll see some of that in action as far as the atmosphere next week. Atlanta is having fans in their stadium for the first time this season. I think they have a cap of something like 20,000, but it's also a seating that can seat 75, so they'll be spread out to well, some even, degree. Like Texas has had them. I want to say Seattle has had them, right? Like we've had other teams in the league have – fans um and it's i mean atlanta is maybe the first one obviously you think of like lafc and um like seattle and toronto even like you think about these places that like have this like huge fan support and where you can like feel it and even if you like have fans in the stadium but it's not as many fans i just think it's very different so i completely agree that like having the home field advantage is very different. Even when you just have some fans as opposed to like your entire supporter section, who's like screaming for 90 minutes and beating the drum and you can hear it. And like, you can't even hear your teammate across the field because the fans are so loud. I just don't think that like that necessarily is what's make or breaking a team this season, having the most points in the league. Yeah. Lots of things, <laughs> lots of things are going to be said about this season. And, and once we get past the pandemic, look, like you said, Sam, looking at the stats of, of with fans, without fans, with half fans, even across you know, the and, world, right? Like I'm such a data person. There's going to be so much data to look at and to see. And like, this is not obviously something anyone ever anticipated seeing, yeah. right? No one ever thought that you were ever going to play a home game without having fans. So just really seeing the data behind that, I think is going to be such a motivation as a fan to really go and to really make your voice heard and to make yeah. that effort, like whether it's a home game or whether it's a way, an away game and you're trying to travel and like at least have a little bit of like your chance heard. I mean, I've traveled to DC United games, right? And like there are times when they definitely look up at the section because the home fans have gone a little quiet and you're screaming as loud as you can because you want them to feel that support. I think that like you have to have that baseline and having no fans is really that baseline so that I, I just see the supporters culture exploding after this and there being the data to drive that. And I'm so excited for it. Yeah. There's a reason that one of the biggest punishments you can get, uh, you see a, a lot in European games is having to play behind closed doors. Yeah. You know, we've all been punished with that this year to, to some degrees and there have been clubs that have been able to get folks back in the stands. I think this coming weekend will be DC's, first experience with a 
rather sizable crowd. Uh, you've seen smatterings of people yeah. in Orlando and Dallas and uh, and Salt Lake, uh, but it does sound like they're going to have quite a few people there. So we'll definitely see how the stats pan out. In a lot of ways, it'll be their first true away game of the season because you know pre-pandemic these united played two home games uh so so with that type of crowd it will be interesting to see and and hopefully we'll find out you know midweek if if the team gives any thought to that or if they're just going to keep out and you know fly the plan as is but as you mentioned dc united take on uh atlanta united uh down at the bends this saturday weird kickoff time of what 4 p.m yeah uh so it'll be interesting to see if they can keep the good times rolling Sam, what do we miss? Anything going on in the world we got to hit this week? We hit uh, Support Shield, obviously. Yeah, no, I think that's all I had. Um, obviously, there's a lot happening coming in <laughs> at the turn of the month. Like, keep educating yourself. Keep to letting the team what you want to know. Um, I think we've all been pretty educated this summer. So I'm just going to say, like, let the team know what you want to say. Keep educating yourself and keep just being aware. Yeah, I, I want to comment. Uh, we saw some tweets early in the show, me and Sam, our Total Soccer Show listeners, and we thought uh, things were much more grave than uh, they are. Uh, with Daryl's situation, it seems he is gone. He's now under hospice care at his home with his family. Uh, he's been fighting cancer for a long time. If you guys don't listen to the show, he's an amazing guy. He's influenced me as a, as a watcher of soccer uh, as a, a podcaster, I guess, um, and as as a person, uh, yeah. I've, I've gotten the chance to to hear from him and, and Taylor, and, and they're just great people. Uh, so thoughts and prayers with with those guys, and I, and I wish them the best. Yeah, TSS always a recommended listen. They're one of I want to say the first really podcasts in America about soccer. They started off as a radio show. They they chat every single day. Um, they've just been like so influential to everyone sorry this is like super emotional I, I had a chance to talk with Daryl and Taylor both like when I was first just thinking about like being on a soccer podcast and they were like so encouraging and inspirational and they've just like meant so much I think to America like soccer in America um so all the thoughts and prayers to them I'd encourage everyone to just go listen to their podcast um they've been doing a lot to try to help Daryl in the fight it's absolutely heartbreaking um that he's in hospice. I, he's he's English. Um, I think that his his mom has gotten permission to come from England to be with him. I mean, that's that's not a great sign, right? It's really hard. Um, he's, I have to say, he's always been a Wolves fan, right? Like Leeds play Wolves tomorrow. I'm a Leeds fan, but like also kind of like rooting for the Wolves in spirit of Daryl, right? Like he's just done so much, and it's it's heartbreaking. So everyone kind of reach out and like share your love with his family, and just I, I guess like hold your family a little closer, right? Cancer sucks. Yeah, certainly not the way we wanted to end the show, but <laughs> yeah. our, our thoughts and prayers uh, with the the whole TSS community uh, this week. Yeah, and I mean that that's so serious. We also did get three points tonight, right? So like, <laughs> I want to like yeah. give that the seriousness. I also want to celebrate everything that DC United has been able to celebrate. Um, it it has been a hard season, and you kind of ha- you can't have both, right? It's a crazy pandemic time, and you got to find like the light in the dark, right? So I am excited that we got the three points today. Thanks for everyone kind of for listening and hopefully we're able to continue that yeah big win tonight dc united hope to keep the winning ways uh, afloat on saturday as they take on atlanta united who knows four games left <laughs> anything could happen could they squeak in only the playoffs? five points man we're could only five Donovan points out. Thinks they could. win the golden boot for dc united that's what i'm turning both can be true yeah <laughs> donovan pines can win it and we can get into the playoffs there's no shortage of reasons to continue <laughs> watching this team <laughs> as we flow through the end of the season. Thanks for hanging out with us, uh, staying up late on a school night. 
uh, here on Tried and True, <laughs> the DCI Post Game Podcast, presented by Heineken.